and welcome back. I'm Bill English, the publisher here at Bible and Business. I want to thank you for joining me today. Uh, I'm in a seven-part series on Christian stewardship, which I'm taking from chapter three in my book, A Christian Theology of Business Ownership. You know, I write for Christians who own businesses, and I write for Christians who lead in business. And I'm thinking here for-profit business. And so today's topic is going to be on contentment, being content with what God has given you. This is really the fifth uh, foundation of Christian stewardship, and uh, I hope you'll stick around and let's learn together on what uh, God has to say about us being content as we steward that which he has entrusted to us. But before we get going, what I'd like for you to do is to head over to BibleAndBusiness.com and check out the articles, the podcasts, some of the tools and surveys that we have out there for you. You can download the slides for this um, episode in PDF format. And uh, just remember that that whole site is written for business owners, uh, Christians who own businesses, and also business leaders, people who lead in business. They're Christians, but they are in for-profit businesses. They work for somebody else, but they also lead in business. That's who I write for, and that's who the site is intended to reach. So let's go ahead and take a look at the fifth foundation of Christian stewardship. We're going to uh, look at Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 10 through 18 as the core passage that we're going to look at today, but we're going to look at a couple others too, one in Timothy and one in Matthew. And all along the way, we're going to be drawing out some lessons for us as business owners and business leaders uh, to learn and to then to apply to our lives. Here's the headline. Uh, Contentment comes when we want what we already have and nothing more. So remember, we're looking at the fifth foundation of Christian, biblical foundation of Christian stewardship, and that is contentment. And I headline it this way, the contentment, we become content or contentment comes when we want what we already have and really nothing more. You know, I was talking with a friend of mine at church a couple Sundays ago, and, uh, you know, I heard him say something that is just very profound. He said, Bill, there isn't anything in life that I don't have that I need. And I and I kind of rephrase it and I said, yeah, there isn't anything in life that I need that I don't already have. And I, I, I don't need anything else. Contentment comes when we want what we already have and nothing more. So we're going to look at this Ecclesiastes chapter 5 passage. And I'm going to kind of go back and forth between this passage and the next slide. This is kind of a, a difficult passage to read. It's long. It's cumbersome. And so I I want you to stay with me. Let's read this first part here. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This is vanity. So look, uh, look at that second bullet point here. If you love wealth, you're never going to be satisfied with it. It's never going to be enough. It's kind of like fire that says, uh, fire never has enough. Fire will always keep consuming. And I think what you find here, if you follow my mouse here, that if you love money, you're never going to be satisfied, no matter how much money you have. If, if you love money and you have $100, you're going to want another 100 If you have a million, you're going to want another million. If you have a billion, you're going to want another billion. It's just never going to be enough. 
And look at this phrase here, sweet is the sleep of a laborer. In other words, a person who is content and doesn't have a lot, but they're very content with what they have, they sleep quite soundly. They have good sleep. But look at what he goes on to say. Um, the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. Even though the rich has a lot of money, if they want money and they always want more of it, it's hard for them to get really sound sleep. And that's, that's, that's certainly vanity right there, right? So what we learn is that loving money is the path to a life of discontentment. And if you love wealth, you're never going to be satisfied. It's never going to be enough. You're, all, you're always going to have this emptiness on the inside. And that emptiness really is only going to be filled by Jesus Christ. It's not going to be filled by another car or another house or another million dollars in your bank account. It's just never really going to be enough. Okay? And then let's just go down uh, to the bottom here. Um, Everyone to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil. In other words, he likes his job, likes what he does, right? This is the gift of God. And so what? Again, God gives us some wealth. He gives us some possessions. He gives us the power to enjoy them. And we accept that lot. That's our lot. And we're content with that. And then we, we, we like our work and we rejoice in our work. I remember I just watched a, a special on John Madden at, at the time of this recording. He just died a few days ago. And I watched a special on him on ESPN+. And uh, he said, I never worked a day in my life. He loved playing football. He loved coaching football. He loved being a commentator for football. He loved the whole game. He loved his life. He loved his work. I never worked a day in my life, John Madden says, right? And so that's, that's really rejoicing in his toil. And this is a gift of God. For he, the, the laborer here, will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps us occupied with joy in our hearts. So when we are content with what God has given to us, and we find work that we really enjoy. Like, I enjoy doing these videos, right? I mean, I love writing. I love producing content for business owners and business leaders. I just love it. I have another book coming out. Um, it's going to be called The 30 Sayings of Wisdom for Business Leaders. Uh, this is beginning of January 2022. I hope to have it out in the next 60 days. I'm occupied with joy in my heart because I know that I'm doing what God wants me to do and I'm doing what I love to do. That's what this is all about, right? And so that's contentment. A discontentment comes from wanting what we don't have. And what we really want in life, quite frankly, money can't buy. When you look at what you really want, Money cannot buy. And I'm going to go over this in another video in, in, in a different part of, in another chapter down the road. But I'm just going to pull from, from the future in just a little bit. Money can buy a house, for example, but it can't buy a home. Really, money can buy medicine, but it can't buy health, right? Money can buy uh, membership, but it can't buy a friendship. It can't buy a friend, right? Money can buy sex, but it can't buy intimacy, Money can buy an, an army, <laughs> but it can't buy peace, right? And there's a lot of things that money can buy, but the things we really want in life, 
money cannot buy. Money can only buy cheap imitations of those things. And so part of the part of the illusion of wanting more money and wanting more wealth is that I'll finally be happy. I'll finally be secure. I'll finally have a, an easier life. When really the things that we really want in life, money doesn't give us those things. Wealth doesn't give us those things. And we, we really need to keep that in 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 mind. And in the middle of that passage, there was an illustration of discontentment. Let me go back to that here for just a moment. Right in here, he says, this, this is a grievous evil I've seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt. That's kind of an awkward way to say that. But look, uh, the owner uh, had a bunch of money and the way that he invested it, he lost it. And it was really to his hurt. Let's just read on. And those riches were lost in a bad venture. Now, he's the father of a son, but has nothing in his hand. In other words, he has nothing to give to his son. And as he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again, naked, and shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. This is a grievous evil uh, under the sun, right? And so... This is what I wrote in my book, A Christian Theology of Business Ownership. I said, an illustration of discontentment in this passage is the action of a rich man who hoarded his wealth and then invested it in an attempt to earn more wealth, but ended up losing his wealth because his investment failed. Now he's got nothing to show for all of his hard work, and he has nothing to pass on to his heirs. It was really all for nothing. He lives out his life in vexation, sickness, and anger. And where do we see that here? Well, we see that here. Um, Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness and in much vexation and sickness and anger. And so what I say, he is vexated, which literally means to be insanely angry. Maybe better translated as bitterness. His bitterness is so strong that his physical health is negatively affected. So this man lives his days with a high level of rage and bitterness. And that is so strong and persistent that his physical body is deteriorating as a result. There's a psychosomatic effect here. And this is described as a grievous evil. Contentment. One, it's really very simple, just wanting what you have instead of wanting what you don't have. 1 Timothy 6, this is Paul writing to Timothy, his protege in ministry. He's teaching him how to become a pastor and, and an apostle. And he, and he says this to Timothy, godliness with contentment is great gain. By the way, if you really want to gain, live a godly life and be content with what you have. Paul goes on, we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Now look at that for just a moment. I'm going to go forward to the next slide and then come back. Contentment is a choice. Why do I say that? Because if we have food, this is Paul writing, if we have food and clothing, we will be content. We will, we will, we will literally choose to be content with that. We will be content. It's not that contentment comes on us. Contentment is a choice that we make. And then look at how he describes those who are discontent. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. 
for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Now, there's, there's the exact quote. Most people say the love of money is, is the root of all evil. But that's not really what Paul said here. He says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. Right? I mean, they want to get rich, so they fall into temptations to sin. They wander from the faith as a result. They have foolish and harmful desires. And really what he's saying there is that the desire to become rich is a foolish and harmful desire. So they plunge themselves into ruin and destruction. They love money, but they wander from the faith, and the faith is worth more than, the, more than money, First uh, Peter tells us. And they experience a whole lot of hurt. Man, they live in a world of hurt and pain, right? Because of their foolish and harmful desires and because of the destruction that they, that they literally propel themselves into. Contentment is a choice. And being discontent is not a place you want to be. It's not a good place for us as Christians in business. Christian business owners need to learn to be content. Christians who lead in business need to learn to lead from a position of contentment. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deal with some of the ramifications of that here and in the next lesson. This is what Christ said in Matthew 6, 25, 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you're going to eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? I mean, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow. They don't reap. They don't store away in barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And, of course, the implied answer is yes. Of course, we're more valuable than all the birds of the air and the animals out there and everything, right? But can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to his life? And the answer is no. If we're discontent and we're worried about stuff, is that going to really make our lives better? Is it going to prolong our lives at all? And the answer is no. Of course not. So why do you worry about clothes? Look at the flowers of the field. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these, right? So if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Don't need to worry. Don't need to be discontent. So don't worry, Christ says, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what shall we wear? The pagans run after all these things, not Christians. Disciples of Jesus Christ don't have to run after all these things, but the pagans do. And besides, God knows that we need them. Your Heavenly Father knows that you need them. So seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be given to you as well. You know, it's kind of like we pursue the face of God, we pursue righteousness, we pursue um, time with God and his presence and all that. And then almost like an afterthought, oh yeah, God provided that for me. God provided this. He provided that. He provided this job. He, he made this project go well. You know, he gave me that new customer. He provided, but I was seeking first God's kingdom and his righteousness. I can't tell you how many Christian business owners I know. They don't do this. They don't seek God's kingdom first. They seek success in their business first. And then God comes in second or third or fourth in terms of 
their cycles, the energy, you know, what they give to, their attentions, their loves, their priorities. You know, they're, they're, they're kind of willing to write the larger check at church. But investing themselves in God, maybe not so much. Christ reminds us, don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So look, there's the command. Do not worry about your life. And just going back, I really think that contentment is a choice. And we're commanded not to worry. And why not worry? Because we're more valuable than the animals. And God takes care of them, so he's going to take care of us. We can be content with what God gives us because we know that that's his provision. Instead of worrying, what we should do is seek God's presence, his face, his kingdom, his righteousness. And when we do that, we'll find that our needs are taken care of. I will submit that we cannot seek God's kingdom and his righteousness if we are living with a discontent heart or a discontented attitude about our wealth or our material possessions. Really, this is all summed up here in Luke 9.25 when Christ asks really one of the most penetrating questions I think known to mankind. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? There are a lot of Christians out there who are very f successful financially, but I kind of wonder if they're not losing their soul in the process. Now, I think the logical question here to ask is this. Does not ambition require a certain amount of discontent? If I'm a business owner and I'm ambitious about growing my business, does that mean automatically that I'm discontent? If I'm a business in, or a leader in business in a for-profit company and I'm leading a project or a team or a whole line of business and I'm, and I'm pushing for that thing to grow, does that mean I'm discontent? In other words, does not ambition require a certain amount of discontentment? And, and Bill, are you really teaching that we should not have any ambition, that we should not have any desires to grow our businesses? My answer is going to be no. I think ambition and uh, contentment can live side by side. But I'm going to talk about that in my next video lesson. Okay, I'm not going to talk about that today. So if you're feeling a little frustrated like that gal in the picture, <laughs> I'm sorry. But that's what I'm going to look at in my next video, is what the Bible has to say about ambition and as it relates to contentment. So the lessons we've learned in this video series so far are pretty straightforward. That God owns everything, that everything we have is an entrustment from the Lord, that good stewards know their master well, and that it is God who gives us the ability to create wealth. Any wealth that we have is a result of God's generosity. And that godly stewards are content with what God has given to them. So again, next episode, how can we be content and also be ambitious? I'm going to put those two together and answer that question in my next video. I'm Bill English, the publisher here at Bible and Business. I really do want to thank you for joining me today. I hope that this has been helpful. If it has, drop me a line. Send me an email at bill at bibleandbusiness.com or head over to the website and uh, just drop me a comment over there. Uh, be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel here. I would certainly appreciate it. Um, and if you know of a good Christian business owner or a, a, peer, a person, a Christian who leads in business, uh, tell them about this channel. Tell them about this YouTube channel. Tell them about Bible and Business. I'd love to get to know them as well. So uh, thanks for joining me today. 
and I hope you go out and make it a great day. Take care.